Coming up on the show today, we are going to talk about the Olympics being canceled, how that impacts the Nets and Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. uh, some more general Nets news that have been filtering around the ether, filtering around the ether, and Brian and I, we watch game one of the 2003 NBA Finals Nets Spurs, and we are going to pull out some things that we thought were yeah. interesting in that game. Wow. All right, well, welcome back to The Glue, guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter, at Guys On Twitter, you not only get our fiery takes within script, you also get some video element as well. We're, we're doing a heck of a lot of video on there. Brian, tell people what they could see online. Um, before I do that, Mike, and, I, and I'm saying <laughs> this with, with no judgment, um, just as a precaution, you did hit the record button, right? Yes, I did. Okay, because yes, we didn't talk about it, and that's been a thing. Hey, Mike, <laughs> we have noticed that we both have beards. Uh, we, we do have, have beards. It's uh, it's we have scraggly beards. Yeah, right now, my wife doesn't like it. She's made it. She's been very polite about it, but you know, um, yeah. You yes, know what's funny about that is that we both work from home. So, like, I know a lot of people who are within quarantine life, and shouts to all of you now, right now. Keep it going. We're all doing a great job. Wash your hands, all this stuff, but. Uh, people who had usually been working out in the real world had to shave, had to look, keep things up. You and I are work from home boys. B-O-I's. Yeah. Downtrodden. Yes. And we still now. now, well, I, you've had a beard your life, but I am fully growing a beard. I just want to see where it goes. And I'm also trying to hide the, I'm, I'm trying to hide some of the. Yeah. The double the, chin. I, I've been yeah, trying to do that. Chin. The thing is, it only adds to it for me. I'm, I'm discovering. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, to your. The double chin. <laughs> yes, exactly. More dimension. Um, to your original plug thing, we're watching full games on stream on periscope and twitch and sportscaster.com we're restreaming it to all those three places so it's tuesdays at 12:30 and friday at 12:30 um p.m. eastern standard time it's a heck of a lot of fun we have keith mcpherson and matt brooks on it with us so do stop by because we're also going to be talking about things related to those streams on the podcast in this corona media vortex mike we're just cannibalizing old stuff and it's going from stream to podcast to podcast to stream. It's all in flux. We're still producing at, uh, at an outrageous clip and this, <laughs> even this a higher train, clip than in season, to be honest. Yes. This, this no, we do not stop for anything. Pandemics, apoc- viral apocalypse of any kind. It, this show goes on, Mike. Yeah. And, and sort of my pitch to all of you is that we will kind of avoid talking anything about, the global that's the last I'm that gonna say. That's the last I'm going to say about it. But oh. transition, Good. the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo have been uh, officially postponed. I think officially is what we can say. Uh, the thing about that, so why we care about it as Nets fans is that before all this craziness, let's say just go back a month ago, there was a prevailing thought out there amongst Nets Nation and wider yet the NBA Nation at large that Kevin Durant may not come back to play for the Brooklyn Nets this season, but no, he would wait and actually maybe come back in the Olympics. It was something that I think Rich Kleiman, his agent, had discussed, saying that it was a possibility. 
at that time that they were talking about. And now the Olympics aren't happening. Obviously, a lot has happened between now and then. Kevin Durant tested positive for coronavirus. Um, the NBA season has gone on a hiatus. But mm. I think it's important to mention <laughs> the fact that the the Summer Olympic opportunity for Kevin Durant to return to basketball no longer exists. Will we have an NBA season? We may. I mean, you know, the, the goal from everyone is to try to have an NBA season at this point. We've heard reporting that uh, owners are will do everything they can to ensure that there is some season left to then maybe transition to the next season itself. Um, Brian, I kind of, sh- we talked about this last week a little oh. bit. Um, Go on. Well, one, is it a missed opportunity that there's no Olympics? I mean, I, I think we, you and I both live in a reality where like there was never going to be an Olympics, right? Like, so like there, there is no opportunity to be missed, but like, d- were you looking forward to Kevin Durant maybe playing the Olympics or was that something that you didn't even dare let your mind kind of go towards? So I was hard on the no Kevin Durant in the Olympics team. That was my, because like I'm superstitious. I'm um, narrow-minded in that sense. <laughs> and I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't want it because um, I just thought it'd be an unnecessary risk. I don't know. Other people can say that you get yourself in game shape. I'm of the mind where I, I follow the tr- Trump logic where it's like you have a finite amount of energy in your life and the more exercise you do the more it diminishes that that energy um i don't really think that but um to a certain extent like i think you know that kind of longevity into this next season's a little dangerous whatever and furthermore i just want to make sure that he's in perfect pristine shape for the next season so i you know it doesn't affect me either way i personally i'll i'll confess to not watching a ton of olympics or basketball or international basketball at all that's um it's not out of prejudice. It's just out of, you know, I, I have a very specific taste for basketball. It's professional and it's going to be Brooklyn Nets based. That's, <laughs> that's going to be, it's very linear in that sense. So, um, yeah, so I was probably not going to watch anyways. I'm probably not a, the best use case for deciding whether this is a good idea or not. Yeah. And I think my big concern with him is if he, if he was going to play in the playoffs, it's just simply that it's less of a controlled environment than if he had played with the Nets at any point. If he had come back, whether it be this season or next season, there's less control. Just uh, whatever you could say. I mean, there would be some control for Kevin Durant. I'm sure he would work it out with Team USA to say, hey, I really only should play these certain minutes. Uh, Popovich would, I think Popovich still would have been coach. Um, he probably could have worked out a scenario where it's like, I'm going to play 18 minutes a game. These are the spots I'd like to be inserted, and Team USA would have gladly accepted 18 minutes of Kevin Durant to go along with their large roster. That would have been a fantastic situation. I, on my side of the aisle, wouldn't have wanted him to be inserted in that scenario. Again, to for his uh, reinsertion into professional basketball or live basketball to be in, you know, across the world in a... Mm-hmm. In a competitive environment against guys who are like, let's say they were playing a random game against a really low ranked country like Angola or something. It's it's almost better to have him coming back in a just a gym and playing pickup in New York against a select wow. group of people. Shots fired to Angola. I know. I'm just putting it out there. Um, <clears throat> wow. But it now also goes into the question of, you know, okay, let's say the season starts mid-June. Who knows? I mean, it's so crazy when you look at the numbers. You have no clue the statistical models of what's going on. But let's just say randomly it starts in mid-June. It's playoffs basketball. So there's some training camp, retraining camp, I guess, 
and then right into playoff basketball. Is that how it's going to work? Retraining camp? I mean, does it like does have has any of these been floated? These ideas been actually floated out there? Yeah. yeah. So there there's some sense that there would need the teams and players need to come back together to have a certain level of practices because to just throw players back in cold, no matter what, because you couldn't control whether they worked out or how they look in that certain moment. Uh, the team facilities are closed in this moment. So no matter what happens with the season, the NBA would least need a week. John Hollinger for the athletics said teams would need two weeks to fully understand what shape the players are in. Not that they would be overweight or anything, but you know, you wouldn't be in game shape. You would, no one can play basketball right now. You can play by yourself. You do the Yan Jian Leon basketball, which is playing against a chair. Yeah. But that's the only thing you can do. It's amazing how fleeting game shape is. It's really like it goes like that. You just game shape could, could you, poof, it's gone. It's you like podcasting. That's why we have to keep the train rolling because we want to right. be as sharp as we are in exactly. this moment right now. So I do, I, I kind of thrown this out there previously, but I do feel like if it's mid June scenario, it's the two weeks of training camp and then it's playoffs. I still don't know if I actually want Kevin Durant to play in that scenario. And that has been a significant reversal to where I've been previously on this podcast. That's true. Um, I had previously, of course, been ride or die. He's going to play this season. He's healthy. He's ready to play this season. It's going to happen this season. Obviously now not happening in the, in the immediate. I don't think though, I would rather him be, be reinserted in mid March. If the season had continued playing three weeks of regular season basketball, going into the playoffs that way and then playing playoff basketball. I don't want to just reinsert them in this incredibly uh, I can't crazy believe you're, time. You're reneging on this when it's like the, it, the universe has conspired to make you the most correct person in the world and you can't take it. You can't, you can't, I, you can't allow yourself to have it. I follow the science. Okay. I follow <laughs> medical information and the science and my medical information and my science tells me it the would not be a, of my science. It would not be appropriate for a guy who's recovering from any real injury, Clay Thompson from ACL, Kevin Durant from Achilles, John Wall from a knee injury and an Achilles to then reinsert them or just insert in the playoffs off off after a weird layoff. Now, because Kevin Durant had been going steadily in his rehab and we had seen him, we had video of him uh, playing against Nick Claxton and then driving the lane and dunking the ball. We had seen Durant slowly making these progressions to getting up to playing basketball shape. And all of that got shut down because of the league getting literally shut down and Durant having coronavirus means that he could literally do nothing besides being isolated if he's following the guidelines that we're being told. Mike, so, are you trying to say that the intensity of a mid-March game against a middling Eastern Conference team is less intense than a playoff game? Is that what you're is that the suggestion that you're that is <laughs> you're putting out there? That is the suggestion. Yeah. And, right. and let's go into the future. Okay, let's say this happens. Mid-June, basketball's back. We're playing basketball probably with no fans because it's still at that point we wouldn't want to have 19,000 people jammed into a, a small area. Um the intensity I don't know what the intensity of the games are going to be like without fans. But <laughs> interesting, yeah. They'll each player's emotional, like level and frantic. Like a player's going to be excited to play basketball, but they're not going to be getting any energy from the crowd because it won't exist. And I wonder if it'll be more intense, like because like the shit talking quota it goes up in private. I feel like, and maybe like it'll seem more private. I think the presentation of the game on television will reach a, a part of battle we've never seen before because 
You'll oh be able gosh, to put. You're so right. Yeah, they're just have like drones flying around their faces in the middle of the game. The uh, drones will be. You'll have little. You'll have cameramen standing in like section 101. You know, like in the seats to make it seem like you're sitting there watching. The, I'm sure the VR will be a big component, right? Like the NBA loves VR. Oh my gosh, I have so many. I can think of so many interactive features. Like imagine like watching the game feed and you can choose which player's mic you want to listen to. Like you just like click around and be like, give me. Theo Pinson right now. Well, and so this was a different environment, but remember the first game back for the Nets after Kobe's crash and they didn't have any music in the arena until the first time out. (laughs) And you could hear like the squeaking of the shoes. You could hear guys communicating and Mm. you're going to literally what you're going to hear, not even visually, but what you're going to hear is going to be so different if the season comes back, if they don't have fans, which they won't have fans. Um, because they're gonna want to do this again. I, I still don't want. Okay, if Kevin Durant played basketball, I'd be so excited, and I would trust that the Nets know what they're doing. I trust that Kevin Durant knows what he's doing. I myself wouldn't think it's. It wouldn't be advantageous to me. The advantageous situation would have been three weeks of regular season basketball leading into playoffs, and then seeing where we go from there. Now coming back, I don't want to just put Kevin Durant into the middle of the playoff cauldron. Will Kyrie Irving be there though too? And we still don't really know what's happening with Kyrie Irving though. He did donate. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen, he donated. Uh, he Yesterday was his birthday, March 23rd, and he donated $323,000 for meals in New York City area. Shouts to Kyrie. Um, chill bro. It's a chill bro thing to do. Very nice um, do. do you have, or have you already drafted the tweet for when, if... Kevin Durant does actually come back and play basketball. Will I you, haven't. What, oh, what no, kind of? Now I'm nervous. Now I need to. <laughs> you can't. You can't blow this, Mike. It's you know. Don't don't. Uh, what kind of spaghetti on his? Lo- let me. Ask, so Brian's really a shaman to me. Brian, I, I lean well, on emotionally a lot. What type of vibe should I be sending out? Let's say Kevin Durant does return. What type? Oh, you should be trolling mercilessly. I mean, that's. The, <laughs> are you kidding? I would be. I would be obnoxious not like just be like uh humble brag or like oh, i don't really need the no, praise I'd be literally adding every single <laughs> i'd be pulling up ancient conversations it'd be it'd be <laughs> truly pathetic that's that's where i would go with it um i hope that kevin durant has been clued in enough to our podcast because i think he has to be honest not that i've heard wow. from sources but i can just feel his energy somewhere out there okay being receiving what we're putting out there and I hope that he exclusively tells me we're coming back. He tells our podcast. You'll, he comes. It's possible you'll be the one that breaks this news, Mike. That's how I feel about it. Brian did go on a stream. Didn't you stream with him? I saw a tweet where you were streaming with Kevin Durant. I did. Well, he at the very last second, he pulled out. But yeah. <laughs> no, I accidentally added because Keith McPherson, his name starts with K and so does Kevin Durant. Oh. And I suck at the Twitter so, machine. Yeah. So if you don't know, the- Brian sent out a tweet. Uh, promoting the live stream and added Kevin Durant, I suppose, to Keith McPherson. And people were humiliated. Uh, I was humiliated. <laughs> quite excited on the internet that Kevin Durant was doing the stream. Would you invite Kevin Durant? Should you invite Kevin Durant right now on the stream, Brian? Nets, flicks, Open and in. chill. Or do Open you not want him on? Oh, come on. Get on here, Kev. We can do anything. We can play NBA Jam. I found an NBA Jam 2K20 um, in browser. So, whoa. There's all kinds of fun activities. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? 
Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com glue for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com glue for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Speaking of the stream, on the stream today, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, was... Honestly, a really delightful look back, and we're going to keep doing it. Um, the 2003 Nets-Spurs final, we watched game one, and we're going to be doing this kind of all throughout, you know, and I'm trying to break it up into categories. So if you have any kind of thing, observational categories that you want to send our way, we will yeah, credit so, you mightily. And also, I'm always trying to look at these things with just like how the game has evolved, metagame kind of stuff, and where it's going. Um and I feel like that's the most interesting stuff. So if you have an eye for the X's and O's, definitely definitely put those to the top of your list. Um, so the first category that we will talk about for 2003 Net Spurs Game 1 is the headline going into the game. And the, my process, which I will reveal right now, is called Google. I go onto Google and I try to find a story written before the game that was previewing the game. Nice. And the, the only story I could find was <laughs> what? From, yeah, I know. It's crazy. One? Uh, one story, uh, someone named Edward, who was writing for the University of San Diego school newspaper, The Guardian, uh, UCSD, University of California, San Diego school newspaper, Shout out The Guardian. To Edward. Edward, if you're uh, on Twitter, hit us up. <laughs> I don't think you'll feel this way because this is what Edward wrote in his what? first paragraph, the lead so, paragraph of his story previewing give it the 2003 NBA I want to hear, I wanna hear what this... The New Jersey Nets are on a hot streak. They've mm-hmm. won 10 games in a row. And beat up on the number one seeded Detroit Pistons en route to okay. the finals. Good so far. That being said, <clears throat> never good. <laughs> they don't have a chance of besting uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Edward, how dare you discount yeah. Kenyon Martin, Jason Kidd, Richard Jefferson, and Dem Boys, the New Jersey Nets? But Edward was also correct because the Nets did not ultimately best the Spurs. Uh, in this series. So thank you, Edward, for providing our headline going to the game. Uh, <laughs> I love that. What's a, what, that's cl- that's like the opposite of what you should be doing if you're a writer, which is, you yes, you want your thesis at the top, mm-hmm. sure. But if it's a preview about a finals, you may want to like tease it out a bit, right? You yeah. may want to pull in people into the article a bit more. Are you and listening, then get Edward? Hammer. Are you listening, buddy? This is how the pros do it, bud. Okay. <laughs> keep, keep. Keep your ear to the streets here. Um, so there's there's a few different categories. Again, we'll be going through, but I mean, this is this is kind of a shocking thing. This this, was, this is revolutionary. This category called Star of the Game. Uh, star of the oh. Game is the Star of the Game. Um, this is insane. So what's been fun about what was fun about rewatching that game was one, it was more entertaining from what I than what I remember 
um, watching it live. Like, mm-hmm. It was truly uh, a, f- a fun game besides it's funny. So the Nets scored 17 points in the third quarter and the Spurs scored 32. And it's like what this current Nets team has always had problems with, which is like they come out at halftime and they suck. So yeah. that translated to the 2003 finals. Well, what's interesting about that Nets team is that they did everything like disastrously or super like excellently. So it was like you're either way, it was going to be something worth watching. It'd be a, a broken fast break or a successful fast break, um, which is just exciting either way, kind of. So the it was 42, I think it was 42, 42 coming out of the half. And the Spurs scored 32 points. The Nets scored 17 points in the third quarter, which was the decisive quarter. Eventually, Mm -hmm. the Nets actually outscored the Spurs in the fourth quarter, but only by three points. But um, a shocking stat line, star of the game here, is Tim Duncan. Shocking stat line, Brian. Do you know what Tim Duncan put up? 32 points, 20 rebounds, six assists, three steals, and seven blocks. Golly. Just a monster game. And what's fun now, we had we have statistics now that we didn't have then. And basketball reference, which we'll be referencing a lot. Oh, nice. Um they have his statistics, his offensive rating and defensive rating for this game. 145 offensive rating and a 79 <laughs> defensive rating, which mm. has to be one of the the largest gaps possible. He played all but um like 3 minutes of the game. Um, Tim Duncan, star of the game for you. He does it also like conservatively too. Like there's not a, it, it's such a slow, cautious pace to his game. It was really, it's really methodical. Compare that to the frenetic energy of, of, uh, Kenyon Martin at L. Uh, it's just like a real interesting juxtaposition. Those two teams, um, yeah, really popped off the screen. Like let's go in memory lane a bit. Where were you Please. probably in the world when you were watching this game? Live? Oh, I was at the height of watching basketball here. I I was d- deep in it at this age. Um, I was probably watching it, dribbling a ball in my in my um, <laughs> like TV room, getting yelled at to stop dribbling the ball intermittently, sneaking it away. Um, but yeah, this was I was deep in it. I was probably like jerseyed up, very seriously watching this. Where um, was your headspace? Do you remember how confident were you? Um, not confident, definitely like approaching the age where I was beginning to have anxiety problems about things. So <laughs> was, I was beginning to get very superstitious. I remember in the late game, trying to close out games, I had this thing where if I was drinking a like carbonated beverage, I would hold it in my mouth to like suffer along with the team. This is some <laughs> insight into, into the like Catholic self-flagellation thing that was going on. I'm not Catholic, but you know, parents are Catholic. So by, by proxy, um, Things like that, really weird, you know, superstitions like that that were uh, informing a lot of a lot of my headspace at the time. What um, jersey would you have been wearing? It would have been a Kenyon Martin jersey. I mean, yeah. I was to say I was a Kenyon Martin stan is a insult to stands uh, everywhere. I was well, deep, deep. Well, in it. it is fair because I've deemed him the glue guy of the game, which is, should be the best role player, most impactful role player. But I just this is a very gluey stat line from Mister Martin. He took 24 shots in 33 minutes, which was obviously the most on the team. Like a boss. Uh, um, 12 rebounds, 21 points, which seem fine as is. Uh, But that is just such a Kenyon Martin, like I'm entering the final, like game one of this series, and I'm just going to put up shots against Tim Duncan and David Robinson. Yeah, he's going in. He's going in. There was no no chill with Mr. Martin on that one. No, Um, I mean, that was his appeal. It was his complete lack of... 
like ability to recognize that that's not what we need at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, and also just like his his cockback power dunks, Mike. What more does a kid need? I mean, that that was the thing that appealed to you most. Um, you know, what was fun watching the game was like, so we have this image of Richard Jefferson now, which is a guy who wears suits and talks about basketball. And not that we're that removed from him playing basketball, but like still very recent memory at the end of his career in the NBA. He wasn't, you know, the athletic force that he was. It was nice to watch Richard Jefferson early in his career to remember, oh yeah, that guy was like a pretty... Of course, he was a good player and everyone remembers him being a good player, but he was like all over the floor. I mean, only had 15 points and four rebounds, but he was like very impactful early on in the game, then kind of tailed off at the end. Yeah, Um, it was it was a nice sort of recharge to remember that Richard Jefferson was good at basketball. You know, I'll say, too, aesthetically speaking, Richard Jefferson has some of like the most unique physical attributes to his game like the way that he plays it's almost like he's constantly not following through it's not just not following through but he like retracts his arms at like everything you know unless <laughs> yeah. it's like a perfectly stationary jump shot like a dunk even he'll like put the dunk in and just kind of like pull his hands away things like that i, would, I think it's somebody like, like yeah. it's the volleyball nature you know yeah because <laughs> it's very when, when it's you, very you played volleyball yeah. in, in i did and you know, i did at a very competitive level and you can't you can't reach your hands over the net right or there's something no like, you can't there's i forget what the deal is no but you're not yeah. allowed to you have to yeah. like do, so it's very much like you have to be quick with it to be yeah. dabbing at it and getting go straight up yeah go straight up um, um there's somebody should do there was um i i'm gonna blow the twitter handle but he's on our we retweeted it mike underscore ny i think something like that um has a very good sort of at b.5 inspired um video of him doing nets moves move from recent nets i would be very interested in seeing him do some like old old school nets like richard jefferson i think that would be he recreates the maneuvers of of the players in the on court have you seen this yes yeah seen this? So have you heard good. about this and, very and, good and I, I honestly it's one of those things like everyone can do a batting motion of like a, your favorite player because that's so clear but to be able to nail the physical movements of a guy dribbling the basketball or shooting is like it's so perfect. And just those little details too, where like he like when Brook Lopez catches the entry pass and he does sort of like an awkward step behind with his like with his left foot before he goes into his pivot. Yeah. <laughs> That's so those details. Mwah, very good. Um, Nicely done. So what's again we're talking about the analytical deep dive into the game? Uh, Jason Kidd. You know we all remember Jason Kidd. We know him. Uh, we love him. Uh, we, at least we used to, maybe. Um, Jason Kidd, okay, the, the the one of the best Nets, four for seven from the field yeah. in Game One of the NBA Finals, one from five from three, uh, only took two free throws, and he, almost a pretty typical Jason Kidd game for the end of his career, which was ten points, ten assists, and eight rebounds. But his offensive rating was a seventy, a seventy, which is uh, makes him the worst net on the floor beyond. Matumbo, well, Matumbo and Anthony Johnson both had zero, but that's because no one scored when those two guys were on the floor. The this so just when watching this game, <clears throat> it became so clear to me that like how much analytics has helped like put teams like this over because every time that they blow a fast break or a fast break, it's stopped. Um, they have no real like half court offenses team. And it'd just be so much more valuable if instead of going into the half court o- offense, they could have kicked it out to one of two or three very deadly three-point shooters that would have made them the best team in basketball by a mile. Uh, but instead we have, you know, Kerry Kittles, a good shooter, not great percentage-wise, yeah. um, which is 
fine. And then everybody else sort of hovers at around below average three-point wise. I think Richard Jefferson has a decent year this year from three-point line. Um, but and maybe Lucius Harris is like your other three-point threat. But n- these guys aren't going to be playing tons of minutes together with the exception of Richard Jefferson, Gary Kittles. Am I correct about that? Is that 100%. check out? Yeah, 100%. And, and just to let everyone know so we can go. And I'm sure we'll do this for every classic game. The Spurs took 10 threes overall and the Nets took 13. Yeah, which crazy. is crazy, which is a, a James Harden, especially game, if, not you're, even. if if you're as like under manned in the paint as as the Nets were to only be taking three more threes than that team is sort of baffling. Yeah. And like, you so know. Jason Kidd was one from five from three. So five of the 13 threes by the Nets were via Jason Kidd. Who's and, bad at shooting threes at this time. And the Spurs, four, four of the ten three-pointers that were taken in the game were Steven Jackson, who didn't make any of them. And on the bench for the Spurs, who didn't play in the game, was Steve Smith, who was one of the better shooters over his career, and Steve Kerr, who was you know one of the originators of being valuable because he could hit this one that shot. Was, that was back when you thought like you could only either hit it or you couldn't. Right. <laughs> that, was like, that was the one thing you could do in basketball was hit a stationary three. Um, so again, I, I urge everyone to dive into it, you know, while watching the game, if you could watch part of it on our stream, if you wanted to dive back in, yeah, it's Uh, pinned at there on Twitter and another delicious thing, a a new segment, oddest retro moment. This will basically be the thing Mm, that stood out to us while watching. It could be a play on the floor. It could be uh, a certain style of clothing that stood out, or it could be an ad, uh, what was promoted as the halftime performance. Now, of course, we understand in football, the Super Bowl halftime performance is the biggest stage a musician could possibly be on. But basketball has always had a difficult relationship with figuring out how they should handle the NBA finals and how they should include entertainment in that. Typically, it's a movie. We always get those like really awkward uh, movie basketball mashup, you know, like trailer commercials um, Mm -hmm. with like there's a big movie coming out and like, uh, Chris Evans is hanging out with Kawhi Leonard. Excellent. Love those as well. But, but from music, it's hard because you have to find essentially seven acts that are worthy of the final stage of a sports league. And the the person who was chosen for game one, a game that we all know is probably going to have one of the highest viewerships because it's the first game of the series is Lisa Marie Presley was billed as the halftime performer <laughs> in this game. game. That's royalty. Um, it, she is royalty. So, of course, had to deep dive. in Because I do remember. Do you remember the Lisa Marie Presley spike of music music that we had? Like, there was a so moment when she was taking I don't remember her ever making any music. I just remember the announcement that she was dating Michael Jackson. That's all I, that's <laughs> all I took in from Lisa Marie Presley. Married to Michael Jackson. And then the next husband was Nicolas Cage. What a back-to-back. What an amazing back to back. I wonder what Nick Cage thought of that. I gotta, I like, have you think, read do you think he asked her, asked her any questions about that? There's like a New York Times, a great New York Times interview with Nick Cage that was done maybe last year. It's Brian, it's well worth your time. And everyone else is it, what's can you give me like a brief takeaway? Yeah, because like it's it's partly that elusive Nick Cage that we don't really understand his motives. Why but then he also really explains his motives at other time, why he has the pyramid in Louisiana. Yeah, right. Um, why he's done all these movies and how he views himself as an actor, which is like basically like um he's like, I'm only getting better by doing all these movies. Even if the movies are bad, I'm I'm getting better. So I'm just gonna keep doing movies. Yeah. It's not mentioned because he's been bankrupt like eighteen times or whatever. Oh, is that right? Yeah. But 
It, it's really oh, Nick Cage was amazing. Fantastic. What is he spending his money on? Does he talk about that? Was he, uh, a lot he of like cars, Johnny Depp buying islands, houses? Because yeah. um, he never really had. What was his like biggest, highest earning film? Like, what's like the big Nick Cage movie? Um, like he was, he was, in, he was like, missing seven his... seconds or, le- or what was it? Seven seconds. Oh yeah, uh, the one with oh, Angelina God. Jolie. Uh, uh, 60 seconds and gone. gone 60 seconds. Gone. <laughs> gone 60 seconds. <laughs> seconds and gone. Um, God, I could just imagine listening to us. He like, was in um, Ghost Rider. That was probably a pretty big. That was a big one. Oh, um, what's the one where he steals the Constitution? National you know? Treasure. National Treasure. Probably Were those that. big movies, though. I mean, they're those not big, big. big. Yeah, I pretty guess big. So. They're on TNT a lot. Um, but he's just been in a lot of movies. And. Let's say for every movie, he gets getting paid more than a million dollars, right? He, he's the most prolific actor we have. He is in wow. the most movies for the leading for a leading person. Wow. The most movies. Anyways, Lisa Marie Presley uh, was billed as halftime performer, just so we all remember. And if any of you, when I say the names of these songs, do remember them, gosh darn bless you. Gosh darn bless mm. you. Number one was Lights Out. This was 2003. So her she had two singles. In 2003, off of her two Whom It May Concern album, uh, Lights Out was number one, which never peaked. It peaked on the as number 18 on the U.S. charts, according to Wikipedia. Um, it was pretty big in New Zealand. It was 28 in New Zealand. Uh, pretty large. It was 34 on the pop charts in the U.S. That's where it peaked. Not that high of a peak for someone who is headlining the performance of the game one of the NBA Finals. Yeah. Um, and the next song was Sinking In. Those are the only two singles that uh, we are told that we were supposed to care about from Lisa Marie Presley in 2003. And that did not chart at all. Sinking In did not mm-hmm. chart. But I do remember, because I knew obviously who Elvis was and Michael Jackson, of course. And I knew that like Michael Jackson was married to Elvis's daughter. And I was thinking, that is wild. That is, yeah. I remember thinking as a young man, that is a wild move. Mm. Um, final moment. Here and we kind of were talking about this. These are called other thoughts, Brian. Oh, hmm. the other thoughts segment. Um, first, Ginobili has hair. Yeah, <clears throat> that is weird to see. Um, do you like him better without hair now? I think I do. I think I like. I I'm now very comfortable with a shaved head, Ginobili. I think it. He looks more athletic. Yeah, back in the day, he looked more like 98 degrees, the fifth member. Yeah, that's totally true. He looked like, um, yeah, something about having the hair, and he's also got a little stubble. Um, looks like a gondolier, kind of, you know, like a or like a in, French robber you in, know, in the, the San Antonio <laughs> Riverwalk. Yeah, uh, which perfect. is always shown. I remember, I remember watching because the Spurs, are all, of course, always in the finals, and they that'd be the only thing they would show you as the coming back from commercial out of the arena shot was just the river walk. That's that and the <laughs> Alamo. I guess they have the Alamo in San, right? That's in San Antonio. Yeah, yeah whatever. Whatever. Um, <laughs> we did have a discussion about Kenyon Martin himself. Yeah, yeah. Whether he would be actually. Where he would be playing in the NBA, if anywhere. Uh, I was saying that I think he'd be more of like a Rondé Hollis-Jefferson-style wing, even though he'd be oversized for it. Because, like, I, you just don't see sort of like the Sean Kemp-style power forward. I mean, with the exception of maybe Aaron Gordon, who's, like, also kind of in a weird place himself with that. Um, and I guess John Collins. But John Collins feels to me, like, way more solidly built than any of the guys that we mentioned. Um 
I don't know. It's tough because like he could shoot. He was trying to extend his range to the three point line. I remember at some points in his career, but just like couldn't quite get there, but like was an effective enough 18 footer, like shooter um, had like a decent mid range in the kind of way that Amari Stoudemire was modeling his game. Um, but that probably isn't a shot you would take anymore, Mike. Yeah. So where and, does that put you? And and so I was trying to figure out, so he measured six, eight and three fourths at the NBA draft combine without, Is shoes, that right? without shoes. Can you, oh, that was the shoes. So with shoes, it's six ten. Why did we ever start doing the with shoes? Who's doing that? Yeah. Everyone has to wear shoes. Who's playing barefoot? What is it? <laughs> um, so I guess at that height, he is, he's a center now in the NBA. Cause now that's become the acceptable center. Um, and he would be like a pretty tough. So it's funny that like, basically he's either a wing or he's a center, right? Because, yeah, right. because now the four position is, it's such a, like you either have Anthony Davis or you have nobodies. You have wings. You just have all like Jalen Brown types. Or, or, I mean, you can have like, yeah, the four is a weird one. Like who's like a, cause like basically, kind of yeah, Kevin four. Durant he's is like, but this is why, I mean, this is why even using these positions are kind of stupid at the point at this moment, like in time, I think we have to get, start getting away with the one through five designation. It doesn't really make sense anymore. Yeah. And I kind of think like throughout all of this, whenever you talk about like, what would a guy be right now to say that he wouldn't be in the NBA is kind of crazy, right? Like Kenny Martin would obviously be in the NBA, his athleticism and toughness. Like he's a better he's the first, first overall pick. Kenny yeah. Martin was. Yeah. yeah. And he was athletic, athletic AF at that time, at least like vertically. Um, yeah. He was fast too. I mean, he's super, I mean, he's just super athletic. Yeah. So I think you're right where it's like, he's not Ronda. It's not like, He's not like not Ronda Hellish Jefferson in terms of like where yeah. his career is tracking. I mean, like the wh- where you would insert Ronda Hellish Jefferson at his best in a lineup is sort of as like a unpredictable kind of X factor wing, which I would say you could kind of, but it's still weird for Kenny Martin to be doing that. But know. even like okay, like, I think he's a more athletic Marcus Morris, right? He he, they even even Marcus Morris has the same sort of attitude. As, so if you're at Marcus Morris and you're more athletic, that's pretty good, but. It's also means that you're not the number one overall pick. You know what? I think like old Kenyon Martin is definitely that way. But like at this age, he's so drivey. He's so like downward, downhill, like momentum kind of focused. I, it's hard to think of a comp who's just like as drivey a power forward as him. Like Sean Kemp is really sort of like the best comparison. But, yeah. You know. And that like, and also that I, you watch any old game, you will see like the focus of the offense. So the second shot by the Nets in the game well, well, we'll we'll go to the first shot of the Spurs in the game, which is like Parker dribbles around a screen. I think it was Parker and gets his man off him and takes a 20 foot jumper, which wouldn't happen now. And yeah. Jason Kidd comes down in transition, gets right in the three point line, stops and shoots a jumper. Yeah. It's like, yeah. does it happen? <laughs> yeah. And like, so like Kenyon Martin, yeah, of course he would be probably taking three point shots in practice and they would try yeah, to be a totally different player. That's the whole they thing. They would be trying, but he, he hadn't shown the skills. Like, so free throw, we can always point to three free throw percentage. It's the thing that analytic guys say, like, this will tell you whether this guy could have been a three point shooter. And he was shooting like 62% or something from the free throw line, which means he could not probably be a really efficient three point shooter. I just think it's interesting to watch him because particularly also like in this series, it's Duncan and David Robinson versus with Jason Collins and Kenyon Martin and Matumbo coming Deke. off the bench. Come on. Yeah. Deke uh, with a resurgent series here. 
and this moves on to our final segment before we wrap up here. And it and this is a an insane roster to look at on both sides for now current media members or current like famous people talking about basketball. So Steve Smith and Steve Kerr on the are on the bench for the Spurs. They didn't play in this game one, but Steve Smith's on NBA TV. Steve Kerr obviously was one of the best broadcasters and then moves to coach the Warriors. Steven Jackson is playing 40 minutes a game. Bruce Bowen is playing a little bit. Richard Jefferson, now a friend of the pod, uh, was playing in this game. And Brian Scalabrini on the bench. What what a day. De- if you could Coastal put all those together. Elite that is right like there. the Avengers of podcasters right there. Yeah. Uh, put them all together. And that you have, you have your own big podcast company that could sell to Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so they probably make more money off of that than playing basketball. Uh, so, ah. by the way, the Nets, again, the Nets lost game one. They did. 89. Ran, ran out of steam. But hey, we're going to watch game two, right, Mike? We're going to watch game two. Game two is way better. Way more. Right. I, the series itself is pretty interesting, even though it's like really low scoring in terms of just like how actually close it was because in my memory it wasn't this close and then looking back i was like oh no no no, this is significant and close and i'll, I'll say the strategy that the nets roll out in game one is bonkers to me that's like tell a, me about it i mean isn't it like insane that like basically they're just trying to like they're like we're gonna do our downhill like fast break and then as soon as they have any semblance of a fast break defense we'll just wing it like let's just wing it from there <laughs> <laughs> that's basically the vibe that i get and just be like you know Kid, you post up Tony Parker and like get them all the way down deep in the paint so that David Robinson and, Tony, and Tim Duncan can help. That's <clears throat> perfect. Go ahead. Keep, just do that over and over again. Well, and Kenyon Martin, why don't you take up 24 shots against, yeah. you know, the best two big men in the NBA at that point defensively? Yeah. Why don't you do that? But yeah. it all turns around in game yes. two. And we will talk about game two, I guess, Have next fun. week. Sometime? Friday. Friday, 1230. Friday, 1230. On the street. Um, what else? Mike, is that, do we have anything That's else? That's a bot. Oh, have fun. And we're going to be doing this forever. It's going to be great. Um, so at BK Glue Guys is on Twitter, right? At BK Glue is on Twitter. You can find us everywhere. The Athletic, uh, NetsDaily.com. We are all over this place. Again, we're to continue to pod throughout all this craziness. We're going to try to focus on things that have nothing to do with the craziness, even though I guess the beginning of the show was Sort of yeah, about it all, yeah. too. Um, we'll we'll we're here for do you. some uh, mailbags and stuff, too. We have some old emails that we have to get to, too, that are going to bring us right back into relevance. A lot of Kenny Atkinson talk. Um, so it'll just feel like we haven't skipped a beat, Mike. It's going to be like old times. Hey, thanks for joining me, man. Um, five stars we want when you don't get it. Yeah, right, boy. Yeah.